It's time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the show has begun. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. Sports. Sports, sports, and more sports. (laughs) So we've had so far today here on this Wednesday show, this hump day show. And got some more for you. After yesterday was... Bad weather reports and up-to-date warnings and watches wall-to-wall for two hours here on the radio. Glad to be uh, talking today to an area that, even though we had bad weather, wind, and reported tornadoes, that everything seems to be pretty much okay other than just a little bit of damage, you know, a little bit comparatively to past storms. So uh, we're thankful for that. Connected to you here on the show because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire. Customer inspired. Check them out, cspire.com. Hey, Bill, speaking of cspire, you were telling me out there at Ridgeland where the cspire building is. We saw some pictures yesterday, but that was one area that they reported a tornado and you did have some trees down and stuff, right? Yeah, they had some trees that were just kind of sliced right off right mm-hmm. there close to the building on Sunnybrook Road out that way. Yeah, just snap like matchsticks. Just. Yes, sir. You know, um, I will say one more thing about yesterday's weather. I just saw this that thing that my mother-in-law sent me yesterday afternoon, Bill. Do you ever, have you ever had trouble, like I do, of remembering the difference between a watch and a warning? You know, you got tornado watches. You're under a tornado watch. And then you got tornado warning, tornado warning. And you're like, well, which one's worse, the watch or the warning? That would be the warning, sir. It is. How do you? How have you reminded yourself of that over the years, or did you just memorize it? I just over the years I've done it so, so yeah, much, been sure. around it so much. I guess the watches, you know, you're looking for the tornado. Mm-hmm. The warning is, hey, it's coming, baby. There it is. Okay. Well, <laughs> she sent me this graphic that somebody created. Well, I, actually, it might have been from someone's presentation because it was a guy standing up in front of a projection screen, and on the screen was this graphic. And it said the difference between a watch and a warning. Okay. And she captioned the text that she sent me. It said, I will now be able to remember this from now on. On the left, it said, taco watch. And on the right, it said, taco warning. And the picture on the left under taco watch was all the ingredients of the taco. You had the meat in one dish. The cheese in another, lettuce in another, a little thing of sour cream, a little thing of salsa, and a taco shell. All the ingredients of the tacos sitting around, but not together yet. And it said taco watch. And then on the right, it said taco warning. And it was a picture of a taco with all the stuff in the taco. And it said, here's how you know the difference between a tornado watch and a tornado warning. Tornado watch is like a taco watch. Got all the ingredients. Tornado warning is like a taco warning. We got a taco. And I thought, you know what? I will probably remember that from now on. Thanks to my mother-in-law, who's a former elementary school teacher who has probably a lot of experience of figuring out simple ways to explain complicated things. 40 years of teaching elementary school. And uh, hats off to the teachers around the state. Hopefully we get this teacher pay raise thing going. 
Uh, I just thought I'd point that out. You had tornado reports yesterday right here around Jackson. I'm looking at a graphic, Bill. All, all the red dots on the graphic were the actual tornado reports yesterday. And just west, just north, just south of Jackson, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten tornado reports. You had three tornado reports in and around Hattiesburg, and you had one in Clay County at West Point. But all of the tornado reports, the actual sightings or damage, were in and around Jackson yesterday, so I'm glad we spent our time with that. And uh, got that covered with you. All right, so here in hour number two, you want to be a part of the show, you can be. I hope you will be. Grab a chair, pull on up to the table, have a seat, and just jump on in the conversation. A couple of ways to do that. You can text me on the country pleasing text line. It's 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Or call me on the Divinity phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. You're Kubota dealer. The number to call, it's a 601 number, 995-1059. 601-995-1059. Have you seen the latest mock draft over at ESPN. This is now, it's new. It's in and amongst the pro day workouts that have been happening. And some of these quarterbacks, you know, Kenny Pickett had his pro day at Pitt. Uh, Malik Willis had his pro day at Liberty today. Matt Corral's having his pro day at Ole Miss. We got a new mock draft out at ESPN. Who's on it and where? I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Uh, and free agency and stuff's going on too. So here's the latest mock draft, and and I'm going to tell you this stuff. I'm not going to make a huge deal because I saw something else at a pro day that I just I feel like if you're a listener to this show, it's my responsibility to make sure you know where I stand on some stuff I saw yesterday on social media coming out of somebody's pro day. Big pile up, and I'm going to tell you. So hang on. Latest mock draft at ESPN from Mel Kiper. He still has Aiden Hutchinson, the number one overall pick out of Michigan, the defensive end, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And for all these months of everybody predicting the Jags would take an offensive tackle at number one, he's now consistently saying they're going to take the defensive end out of Michigan first. That's Detroit. I'm sorry, that's uh, uh, Jacksonville. Number two is Detroit going with Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. This is a mock draft. Three, Houston Texans. Aquanu, offensive tackle, NC State. Four, the Jets. Receiver, Drake London from USC. Five, New York Giants. Taking the offensive tackle out of Alabama, Evan Neal. Number six, Carolina Panthers. A lot of people think that they'll take Charles Cross at number six, but he has the Panthers at six taking Georgia defensive end, Trayvon Walker. Seven, New York Giants again via a trade with Chicago. Taking Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end, Oregon. Eight, the Falcons. Garrett Wilson, receiver, Ohio State. All right, at nine, he has Seattle. They're at number nine because that was Denver's pick that they traded for. And he has the Seahawks taking Charles Cross, the offensive tackle out of state, at number nine uh, overall. We can come back and read it, you know, later if y'all want to. 
The Jets at number 10, taking Sauce Gardner, the DB, out of Cincinnati. 11, Washington. Derek Stingley, cornerback, LSU. At number 12, the Vikings. Getting Trent McDuffie, corner, Washington. 13, the Texans again, their second first-round pick. Going with Jordan Davis, defensive tackle, Georgia. Ravens at 14, going with an offensive lineman out of Iowa. Eagles at 15, going with a defensive end out of Florida State. Eagles again at 16, taking uh, Chris Olave, their wide receiver from Ohio State, the speedster, the burner. 17, Chargers. Taking um, an offensive lineman out of Northern Iowa. And here we go. Latest mock draft. 18, New Orleans Saints. Kenny Pickett, quarterback, Pitt. He says the Saints tried and failed to add Deshaun Watson, so they are definitely in the sweepstakes for a quarterback. Now, he's got doubts as to whether or not they are committed to Jameis Winston or not. Uh, He goes on to say this is a strange quarterback class, and the range on when Pickett and Malik Willis come off the board varies from everyone I've talked to in the league. No one knows for sure. I would not be shocked if either of them fell in the New Orleans lap at 18. And the thing about it is, Kuyper is sort of in lockstep also with uh, McShay in that pretty consistently the first two quarterbacks they talk about are Pickett and Malik Willis, and it does not include – they don't include Matt Corral in their top two, but they do include him in the first round. I'm getting there. All right, 19, Eagles taking uh, linebacker out of Utah. The Steelers at number 20, he's got them taking Malik Willis quarterback Liberty. I'm going to come back to that. 21, the Patriots taking Jameson Williams, the receiver out of Alabama. 22, the Packers going with Kenyon Green from the guard, offensive lineman from Texas A&M. Cardinals at 23, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle, Georgia. Cowboys at 24, getting an offensive lineman out of Tulsa. Bills at 25, getting a receiver from Penn State. Lots of receivers in the first round projections. Titans at 26, going with an offensive lineman from Boston College. Bucks at 27, going with a running back, Brees Hall, out of Iowa State. But they do note that they just re-signed Leonard Fournette. So I don't know about that projection, but that's him. Okay, here we go. Here's a familiar name. Packers at 28, going with Traylon Burks, a receiver out of Arkansas. Seems like that'd be a great, great spot for him to go play with Aaron Rodgers, a player like that. Now, they had the Dolphins at 29 taking N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia. But this is now the Chiefs pick at 29 because they just got it in the trade for Tyreek Hill. And here's what I am willing to tell you. Remember that I told you. Sorry, I'll call him back. Remember that I told you. The Chiefs at 29 now having this via the Dolphins. If N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker out of Georgia, is still sitting there at 29, they will draft him. You hear me? The Chiefs will absolutely draft N'Kobe Dean with that 29th pick there in the first round if he's still sitting there, period. Was it the 29th or the – yeah, I think it was. Or was it the 20th? I mean, it's got it here as a 29th. Did they have the 20th also and I skipped right over that? No, no, no. That 20th was Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm coming to you. Just just hang tight. Uh, 
The Chiefs also had the 30th pick in the first round. Here he projects them taking defensive end Purdue. What I tell you? They're going to go defense heavy. I'm telling you. And they may go back to back at 29 and 30, defense, defense. Bengals at 31, taking a defensive tackle out of Connecticut. And at number 32, the last pick of the first round, the Lions have a pick that they traded for, and he has them taking Matt Corral, quarterback, Ole Miss, with the last pick there in the first round. Let me. I'm going to come back to Willis at number 22, Pittsburgh. I know Roshana, who listens, is a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'm going to come back to that and tell you something that came out of his pro day yesterday. First, though, I want to see what Reddy Teddy wants on line one of the Divinity phone. Teddy, what's up? Man, I was going to talk a little bit of football today. Hit me. What you got? All right. Well, man, I, I, I'm I overstudy NFL teams and players, especially good teams. And you know, I don't think you you may have mentioned the name, and I wasn't listening at the time, but I've been listening most of the day. And the Chiefs already have a poor man's Tyreek Hill on their roster, and McCole Hardman. They do, right? He's it, it, similar height. I mean, same height, same size. And I watched them race a forty against each other, and I think Tyreek beat him by a step and a half. I mean, it and was it, he won. But let me just say, he won, but if I'm Hardeman, there is no shame in finishing that close to Tyreek Hill in any kind of race. You agree? I agree. And he's four years younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying he's the same player, but you could kind of shift him into that role and draft some other players. They just signed the, re-signed uh, the Pringle kid, right. who's really good. But let, let me tell you what the Chiefs did. They did what Belichick has been doing for years. Tyreek Hill's been to six Pro Bowls. He, unfortunately, he probably won't go to six more. Right. So he, what, what Belichick does, the Belichick model is, he trades his players when they get 28 to 30 years old while he can still get plenty of value for them. Mm-hmm. You, you don't wait until Tyreek Hill's 32 and has no Pro Bowls left and his main weapon is speed. That's exactly and right. So, and, they so went, he, and they went and got he, Juju Smith-Schuster and are bringing him in from Pittsburgh. And... That's right, and he's younger, and and he's a he's a different type of player. It's not like a replacement for Tyreek Hill, but it's another weapon who is a surefire starter in the NFL when he's healthy. That's right, and they're gonna they're gonna plug Harmon into that Hill role. I mean, not saying it's gonna be the exact same exact thing, but you'll see a lot of Tyreek Hill plays being run by by McCall Hardman. Right, and I think with the receivers they got, I think they got better than they were before with with Tyreek. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the, the thing, and, and, I, and I say this, I really believe this, and I would say it even if they haven't traded him, uh, Teddy. Now, I want to know if you agree, but what I felt is that this past year was an example. Some teams and some defenses started to catch up with what the Chiefs were doing, and particularly at times with Tyreek Hill, and forcing the Chiefs to execute and not giving them a chance to ad-lib down the field because of his speed, taking that away and making him execute early in the play, and that doesn't that didn't really suit Tyreek Hill as much, and it, and no. it, and the, and I just think the Chiefs are fixing to try to adjust, and that's part of it. I think it's a, I think it's an excellent point you bring up, though. Yeah, you, you know when you get to play like Tyreek Hill, you, you know, like I said, I'm repeating myself, but not saying he's on the downside, but he is 28. He'll be 29 this year, I think. And when your main weapon is speed, when you start getting into the 30s, you lose value. So they do it. They, they maximize what they could out of Tyreek Hill as far as production and as far as value and getting something in return. Yeah, 
I absolutely agree. Well, and All right, look, thank you, Matt. Yeah, you, you too, Teddy. I, I think it's a great point that Teddy's bringing up there, and, and it is an age thing. I mentioned it kind of in passing. Six Pro Bowls, and, you know, he may or may not be another Pro Bowl or another year or two, but it's not – he's right. I mean, it's not likely that it's six more, okay? And you pair that with a defense that needs a shot in the arm because of what the other teams in your division are doing. Russell Wilson going to Denver. You look at Herbert with the Chargers and what they're building around him, and he is phenomenal. He is unreal. He is fun to watch even if you hate him. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> and, um, and, and you know, the Raiders are a playoff team this year. They lose to the Bengals in Cincinnati. It was a heck of a ball game. Cincinnati goes on to the Super Bowl. So um, it all makes sense. I think it's a great observation, Teddy. Okay, I want to go back to this thing, Malik Willis. Yes, they've got him projected the 20th pick going to uh, the Steelers, just a couple of picks after they have the Saints taking Kenny Pickett as their quarterback. And yesterday on Twitter, social media, everybody was going, ooh, wow, oh, M goodness, OMG, you know, all this stuff about him going through drills at his pro day, indoor practice facility, it's only him on the field throwing to like one receiver, He's going through individual throwing stuff, scouts standing around watching him. And he has a drill where he does a play fake to his right. He boots out to running as a right-handed quarterback running to his left and kind of flips his shoulders and flicks it and throws it 65 yards in the air to the other end zone for a completion. Again, there's no defense. You're not being chased, but you're going through the motions and showing off your arm strength. It was a 65-yard throw. Yes, he's moving to his left, okay, but it, he didn't throw it all arm, okay? And if, as a quarterback, you practice throws of all different types and, and that kind of thing. And when you're rolling to your left, it is about momentum. You get your momentum going forward a little bit. It's as good as if you're running full speed forward because you still have to coordinate your upper body. So if your feet are right and you have your momentum forward, you turn those shoulders and you give it all you got and throw it in the end zone. And when there's no defense on the field, the accuracy doesn't matter as much because the receiver just tracks it down and catches it. Now, is it a big-time athletic throw? Yeah. But Twitter and this – it's just like the Twitter-verse, uh, the Twitter universe, was goo-goo gaga over this one play that was popping up as a highlight. Oh, my goodness, look how great this is. I watched it, and, and here's what I wanted to tell everybody that was just flipping out about it. Number one, just about every starter – in Division One football, can replicate exactly what he just did in a pro day setting. You can go take the starting quarterback from South Carolina. You can take the starting quarterback at Mississippi State. You can find the starting quarterback at Louisiana Lafayette. Go find one. I mean, you get my point. Any of them, with nobody on the field, going through a drill. Even if he's moving to his left, get his momentum going forward, flip his shoulders, put it up in the air, and throw it about 60 to 65 yards. That's what I think. Now, there may be exceptions. There may be a guy somewhere that he's starting, he's a really good player, and he doesn't quite throw it 65 yards, but he threw it 55. But, but in Twitter and social media, we're freaking out about a guy on a pro day in shorts and T-shirts putting a throw in the air that travels 65 yards. 
Here's what I wanted to scream about. Now, Matt Corral is having his pro day today. I don't know what kind of careers any, any of them are going to have in the NFL, but in terms of evaluating that play, here's the difference. I've seen with my own eyes Matt Corral throw the ball 65 yards in the air in a game against SEC defenses and complete it multiple times. And I mean, what's a, what is what are people seeing in these pro day workout things in a 65-yard throw that makes them want to freak out and jump on Twitter and type up that he's the next best thing since sliced bread? I mean, Josh Allen a few years ago threw 180 yards and didn't even really try that hard. So, so it's not arm strength. It can't be that. What is it? <clears throat> I mean, Malik Willis played against one SEC team this year and looked, I mean, pedestrian. Ole Miss whipped their fannies. Now, he didn't have an offensive line, couldn't do much, and that's a big part of it. But here's the thing. Matt Corral, he can do that drill right now. He'll do it today in his pro day deal. He'll do it. I'm telling you, he'll do it. Thing is, I've seen him do it in games without a running start. Folks, here's what I'm telling you. You and I together. If you listen to this show, you and, and me together, let's do this. Don't buy into anything you see on social media about these prospects. Social media, even accounts with blue check marks, will lie to you. And for what reason? I don't know. Either they're doing it on purpose or they're dumb. One or the other. Stick around. Back to the guy who loves his banana pudding. It's the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. All right, so I feel like I want to amend, or not necessarily amend or change. I want to add to what I said about the quarterback stuff, okay? Let me clarify first. What I was trying to get across about what social media tried to do yesterday with the pro day for Malik Willis, a quarterback at Liberty. What what social media tried to do was take, you know, one video highlight of him doing a quarterback drill and throwing the ball that traveled 65 yards in the air. Social media tried to take that and make it into something that it isn't. That's just the point that I'm trying to make. If it if anything I said came across as in any way critical of Malik Willis, that's not what I meant. In fact, I don't want to be critical of him. I don't intend to be. I don't have a reason to be. You know, he, he's a first-round quarterback prospect for a reason. Okay, He's a big-time athlete and a big-time player with tremendous upside. You know, and traveled a pretty interesting path to get where he is. You know, went to Auburn, transfers out, goes to Colin Community College, was phenomenal there uh, for Coach Davis. Uh, I've never met him. I, I don't, you know, whatever, but then winds up at Liberty and just, you know, finished off and led that team. And so all of that's positive. Okay. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is anybody. It's almost understandable if it's like random fan who's just, you know, like never didn't play a lot of football. I don't know about drills and stuff, but they see this and go, 
oh, wow, check out this highlight. He throws it 65 in the air. Okay, that's one thing. But if it's a supposedly a scout or some evaluator or some quote-unquote, they, they got a blue check mark and then outside their title there, it says that they're like some draft analyst for some obscure website, and they're blowing up this highlight like they've never seen anything like it. Where do they get off doing that? It's absurd. Because I'm just telling you, in, in, inside football, it's not that big of a deal. It's just not. I mean, here's what I... I'm going to make a very rough comparison, but to try to paint the picture. Okay, listen. It's like you get in your car and you go down here. Now, now again, this is not an exact comparison. I'm just trying to paint the picture for you. You get in your car and you go down here to the local gym in Clinton. Just somebody owns a local gym. You know, they sell memberships, maybe even not a big chain, whatever. And you go in there. Okay. And there's a guy who, right before your eyes, and he lets you film it with his, with your cell phone, gets on the bench press up under 225 pounds, which is the bar and two plates on either end, gets up under 225 and does and pushes up at the local gym in Clinton and pushes up 225 21 times. And you film it with your cell phone. It's a heck of a deal. I mean, you don't run across too many people that can get up under 225 and do it 21 times. But you see it, and you realize that there are players at the NFL Combine who could barely do 20. Or maybe there's a defensive end who's going to get drafted highly who did the bench press 21 times. And you go to tweeting out your highlights of the local dude who did it 21 times saying he could play in the NFL without a doubt. He's an NFL player right here in Clinton, Mississippi, because he can bench press 225, 21 times. That's how stupid this is about throwing a ball 65 yards in the air. Okay? Now, obviously, Malik Willis is an NFL prospect, but it has nothing to do with whether or not he can throw it 65 yards in the air. Nothing. It's not even close to any of the top priorities or qualifications being an NFL quarterback. I mean, there's a certain threshold of arm strength you have to have. Even in the NFL. I'm serious. Look it up. Okay, pick any NFL quarterback who has been starting in the NFL for five years. At least five years. And find me the times in his career in the NFL playing 16 to 17 games a year, how many times across five years that NFL quarterback has had to throw it that far in the air in a ball game? Okay, so that's one way to look at it. Number one, the occasional Hail Mary. (laughs) You might want to throw it 65 yards in the air in a ball game. Let me tell you something. The time that it takes for your receivers to get 65 yards down a field to meet the football You are sacked. Especially in the NFL. So it's a dumb thing to care about to begin with. Now, you may back me up and say, well, hold on, Matt. Maybe it's an indication of arm strength which translates to velocity on the ball and these other throws. Exactly. Speaking of qualifications to complete passes... 
<laughs> Throw it as hard as you want to. Show me you have all the velocity you could possibly have. And if it's not accurate, it doesn't matter. You know who had a whole lot of arm strength that could really show off? Like, you know, scouts would come to watch some other player and then they would come over and tap this quarterback on the back after practice and go, hey, man, I enjoyed watching you throw it. You got some zip. You really got some arm strength. You know who, you know who that happened to? Me! <laughs> Been there! Guys with those little NFL logos in their shirt. You're walking back to the facility. Hey, man, you got an arm now. I'll give you that. Guess what? Doesn't matter if it's not accurate. Yeah, Matt, you throw it really hard to the other team. Y'all, what I'm telling you is that stuff is so silly, especially, especially when we have loads of game tape on these quarterbacks. That's all I'm saying. Malik Willis may be drafted by Pittsburgh at number 20, be their starting quarterback right away, and he may be, you know, one step shy of Lamar Jackson in terms of excitement watching him play quarterback in the NFL. He may be that good, and that's all fine. And he'll play 10 years in the NFL and need to throw a 65-yard Hail Mary once. Well, he's got a lot of zip on it. Well, it better be catchable. That's all I care about. That's the point that I'm making. Don't get wrapped up in all of this stuff. It's almost embarrassing what quote-unquote sports media will do these days with stuff like that. It's embarrassing what they'll do. They'll totally mislead the majority of their audience and their followers into thinking that that matter is worth a... It doesn't. And especially when, if we're evaluating prospects, I mean, how many how many deep throws of 65 yards down the field rolling to your left today do you think Matt Corral is going to do at his pro day? He might not even do it. You know why? It's on film. Why does he need to do it at pro day? Watch it. I did it five times in games against SEC defenses. I saw him do it in Starkville with my own eyes to um, – I guess it was Joe Moorhead's last uh, Egg Bowl, his last year. State won it on the, you know, the hiking your leg in the end zone deal. Won the game by one point. But in that ball game, go look at the end. Corral threw one about 65 yards in the air and completed the sucker. And State's got some NFL defenders on the field in that game. First rounders even. He did it. Why doesn't he do it at Pro Day? I did it in a ball game. <laughs> You want to see it again? Okay, fine. I'll throw it 65 yards. It won't be hard for him. I just saw that yesterday. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, guys. You know, and then here's the thing. Here I am. If I comment on it on social media or retweet it to correct them, then I'm just as greasy as they are. That's the way I look at it. Because, you know, what am I going to do? It's going to, it's going to come across to some people like I'm knocking the player, and I don't want to do that. I just leave it alone. But I guarantee you 99.9% .9 of coaches and players and former players saw that stuff yesterday and had the same thought. Eh, I mean, okay. I mean, it's, I've seen a lot of guys throw it 65 yards in the air. 
What's, who cares? Again, to compare, I've seen a lot of guys do 21 reps on a bench press. That didn't make him a pass rusher. didn't make him Lawrence Taylor. It ain't even close to the top requirement. Louvier on the Country Pleasing text line says, Ryan Leaf had a very strong arm. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell could throw it 70 yards from the seat of his pants. What good was that for their teams? Question mark. Signed, go Saints. The same Saints, Louvier, who are projected to take Kenny Pickett with the number one, well, the, the first quarterback off the board at number 18 in the first round. The same Kenny Pickett who has teeny tiny hands, according to some people. 100 Grand Texas Show said, Matt, Bill, good job yesterday on the weather. Now let's get back to sports. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, unnamed Texter said, saw Malik Willis play against Ole Miss this past season. I was less than impressed, just my opinion. And look, Ole Miss was so much better than Liberty, and Liberty's offensive line didn't really give him much time. He didn't, but, but I agree, a bunch of turnovers, and, and it was like, you know, the talent gap from his team to the other really had an effect on him. Jackson Mailman said, I like the saying, the next th best thing since Betty White, she came before sliced bread from what I hear. And <laughs> gotcha. I heard somebody yesterday say, uh, best thing since peanut butter. I kind of like that one. All right. Rolling along. A little bit of time left with you here on this Wednesday. Stick around. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. The guy who, if he's not talking sports, he's fishing for bass, okay? But he's right here right now. Back with you. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. How y'all are? Welcome in. Uh, you know, yesterday we didn't get into the normal content because uh, we were covering severe weather uh, throughout the show. So there was um, there were two songs that were on the uh, the American Bandstand list yesterday, Bill. And I and since I can't pull up yesterday's link, I don't know what the dates were. Okay, but this was one of them. When the work's all done and the sunset low, pull out the fiddle and the rosin up the bow. Kids are asleep, yep. so I keep a catalog. Yep. Thank God I'm a country boy. That's right. Old, good old John Denver. I like Rocky Mountain High. That's a good song. Yeah. Any song. He did a bunch. He did uh, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. There we go. Life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. Yeah, that one was on the list yesterday. And then yeah. uh, this one. Let's see if you know who sang this one. I know. You do know? Already? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's ladies' night. <laughs> you better not thought. That would be. Can we tell you? Yeah, tell me. Cool and the gang. Here we go. Oh, oh, what a night. I, yes. I wouldn't know that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I mean, I mean, you know how many times I played that song? Yeah. 
100 100 100,000 right right <laughs> well I, so like when i hear cool and the gang i associate them with the song celebration oh yeah um and i guess you know i've heard ladies night a hundred thousand times in my life i just never knew that cool yeah i never knew it was cool in the game okay so that was on yesterday's show we didn't get around to it this was on there too yesterday we didn't get around to it either uh a story about this upcoming event now when everybody knows what this is Hello, friends. It's the Masters. <laughs> it's the Masters. In Georgia. Yes, Azalea's blooming out and all that stuff, hopefully. Uh, coming up on Thursday, April the 7th. That'll be the opening round of the Masters. They'll practice on Monday, Tuesday. They'll have the uh, Par 3 contest, which returns this year on Wednesday. Tournament, uh, the Masters tournament begins on Thursday, April 7th. It'll be the 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th. But there will be no Phil Mickelson at this year's Masters. Yeah, he's been a bad boy, I guess. He got the run in his mouth. Yeah. I mean, come on, Phil. Three-time Masters champ Phil Mickelson will not play in next month's tournament at Augusta National Golf Club, making first time since 94 that he won't compete there. He's 51 years old, been listed among the participants uh, participants until Monday when his name was included among past champions who won't participate. An Augusta National official confirmed to ESPN on Monday that Mickelson won't take part in the event. It would have been his 30th Masters start. He said all kinds of stuff about Saudi Arabia and their proposed tour and the PGA Tour. And then he came back and said, it's supposed to be off the record. And then the reporter said, no, no, we had no agreement of it being off the record. And one thing leads to another and what is it the Bible says about the tongue? In other words, the we need to be real careful what we say. Tongue gets you in trouble. Yes. Which is a lot of pressure on me and you, Bill, because no, you we Bill. talk on the radio. Yeah. When you think about it, like there's all these different forms of media, right? Television shows are pre-produced for the most part. You do have live TV shows, but there's really tightly constrained uh, print media. You're writing it down. You know, you're getting it proofed. You, your editor tweaks it. Uh, you know, somebody proofreads all that. It's really hard to put something out there unless you're doing it on purpose that is super duper duper controversial. But if you're not, you can get on live radio and really foul it up. Mm-hmm. Once you said it, it's out there. <laughs> it's like you open your mouth and blah, it's out. Unless I can hit the delay fast enough. If I can hit that delay fast enough, it won't be out there. But I'd, We're really I dependent on you, yeah, Bill. Yeah, you're dependent on me. No Six pressure. <laughs> Give me eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Because what I just said, somebody's hearing now eight seconds from now. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, it's out. Yeah. Okay, um, here's – let me do some little uh, nuggets of info. Let's see, this just came through. Pete Thamel – Sources, Chris Jan's contract at Mississippi State for four years, starting at $2.4 million this season. He's eligible for $650,000 in performance incentives. 
And then he points out, which is true, state of Mississippi laws don't allow contracts longer than four years. And so that's why you do four years and then you get extended and you get extended. As long as you don't pull some stupid stunt, you can lose a bunch of games. As long as you don't pull some stupid stunt, you'll get extended just because the state of Mississippi limits it to four and other states don't. Um, this one, let's make ourselves aware of this one. A letter detailing a 2017 investigation into the New York Yankees is set to become a public document soon, two years after a federal judge ruled it should be unsealed. It has taken a while. Now, I know 2017 seems like a long time ago, five years, but it's not that long ago. The plaintiffs in a lawsuit over the daily fantasy ramifications of electronic sign stealing in baseball are alleging this. They say that a 2017 news release from Commissioner Rob Manfred hid the full findings of what Major League Baseball discovered that the Yankees had done. The letter's impending release will reveal any differences between what Manfred said in public versus what was actually revealed in private. There's more. Manfred wrote the letter to the Yankees general manager Brian Cashman, and it is alleged to contain proof of the Yankees' sign-stealing methods electronically from 2017. When New York was busted for improperly using a dugout phone and the Boston Red Sox were found to be using Apple Watches to pick up on signals from opposing teams. So, how does this make you feel, Houston Astros fans? (laughs) Because when this thing hits the public, which it's about to be, what's in it? They weren't very high-tech with theirs. They were, like, banging on trash cans. Using a trash can. (laughs) They didn't do the (laughs) high-tech stuff. Boom, 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 banging on a trash can. Meanwhile, it's the most – look, and the the Astros just get, I'm talking about, eviscerated for cheating. Yelled at, screamed at, uh, stuff thrown at them. Now, it was alleged that they had – Buzzers. They were wearing little electronic yeah. buzzers, but maybe they weren't. But they did use a trash can, okay? But at the and they just get, I'm talking, dragged around through the mud. The Astros did. All at the same time that they are saying that this document that's about to become public is going to say that guess what? The Yankees and Red Sox were doing it too. They were just high tech. Yankees were using dugout phone. Red Sox using Apple Watches. <laughs> I can't wait for it to come out. I want to know what's in there. I I don't really care. I think we went over this with the whole Astros thing. It seems like a long time ago. But sign stealing is a part of baseball. Now, you shouldn't go to links where you've got like a – you know, a sniper out there in, in the bullpen using long binoculars and he's camouflaged. 
you know, we typing used to, it. We used to steal signs when I played it. Of course you did. Stuff. Like everybody you're does. Second it. base, you're trying to steal the catcher's signs. Well, we'd do it from the opposing dugout when I was in yeah. high school. Because yeah. because when I was in high school, even then you had opposing coaches who were signaling into the catcher, mm-hmm. and the catcher then relaying that to the pitcher, and we nonchalantly would pick them off and and figure out the patterns of the signals coming in from the opposing coach. Sometimes, like we got them. Yeah, we got them. Base, third base coaches that are giving signs to the batter, you can pick those up. You know, yeah. You watch them close enough, you figure it out. Right. And uh, so it's not like, a, but but you know, again, you start. You got somebody out there with an iPad who's typing in Morse code. You know, signaling it to the batter who's wearing a buzzer. That's a whole different deal. That's <laughs> <laughs> a whole different man. Technology. I know, but here the Yankees and Red Sox doing it too. And it's so like, look. The people that are that are suing to get this letter in their hands are the folks who lost money in fantasy, you know, fantasy yeah. leagues and stuff. I hope they all lose money. Fantasy. Four losers. Go ahead, bet the house. Tell me how it goes. <laughs> I can tell you how it goes, and I don't have a time machine. All right. We're done for today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. It's good to be back on a regular schedule. For Bill, I'm Matt. Everybody here on the show in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. See you all tomorrow.